Welcome to Emotional and Spiritual Well-Being, the podcast that balances psychology and spirituality, helping you achieve well-being by discussing how the mind, will, and emotions interplay with the spiritual and physical. Here is your host, Sharon Wegman. Hi, welcome to Wellspring Solutions, where we talk about emotional, spiritual, physical integration in a healthy manner. In order to see that you can be more fully healthy in life. My name is Sharon Wegman. I'm a licensed professional counselor in Wyomissing, Pennsylvania. And this is my co-host, Kate Byler. Hi, I'm also um, a counselor here at the same practice at Wellspring Solutions. Um, Master's and working towards my licensure. Right. Thank you. So today we're going to talk about codependency because we just thought we needed to create like an easy to understand podcast on codependency. Mm-hmm. You can read lots of different books on codependency. The original Bible of codependency would be codependent no more. Mm-hmm. Um, but and there's tons of other books on codependency, but sometimes we're having more and more trouble having people learn how to read. Yeah. <laughs> they don't like to read books. A lot of people blogs. Don't there's blogs. They'll do blogs, they'll do YouTube videos, and they'll listen to podcasts, but we have less and less readers in mm-hmm. our practice. And that's fine. Um, because you can do you can multitask and you can listen to podcasts. So we thought we'd just do a simple podcast on codependency. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to explain the essence of codependency? Sure. Um, I think when I think of codependency, a lot of it is feel, fulfilling the need to maybe fix an uncomfortable emotion inside of you, whether it's anxiety or stress, and it has to. It's dependent on another person's actions or emotions. Sure. And so if. Uh, Example would be if my husband, if I was codependent on my husband and he was really upset about a hard day at work, immediately I'm completely upset, matching his level, if not more, and then performing things around the house or things I have to do to improve his mood, but also in turn so I can feel better. Absolutely. It's mostly about you feeling better. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have compassion for people. Right. But it's also about us feeling better. Mm -hmm. We traditionally hear the word codependent when it comes to um, types of addiction, which Mm -hmm. is why they have uh, CODA groups, which are uh, codependent groups that you can go to, Mm -hmm. C-O-D-A. They have Al-Anon groups. There's a variety of codependent groups out there, yeah. adult children of alcoholics. There's a lot of groups out there. So those individuals we often associate with addiction because um, that's often where you'll see a little more codependency. But I don't think that's actually true. I think that's a wives' tale or um, it's not really a truth. I'm mm-hmm. having difficulty coming up with I words. I think it like originated out of addiction. Yeah. So it was, yeah. I think that's even where they coined the word. Okay, there you go. Codependency <laughs> was from addiction or having a loved one be addicted to some type of substance. Yes. And not enabling them. Yeah. So what that looks like is um, we have an addict and the spouse or parent or fa- friend or family member 
is is owning their recovery more than they are, more than the actual addict is, because they are so uncomfortable with their feelings tied to the addiction. Mm-hmm. They feel the anxiety. They feel the fear. They feel the anger. And so, uh, and the addict isn't because they're numbing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so sometimes what codependency looks like in the world of addiction is the um, codependent is trying to own the problem more than the actual addict is. And right. it is only when the codependent steps back, takes their hands off the process, allows themselves to feel uncomfortable, mm-hmm. allows themselves to feel scared, to feel angry and powerless, that that addict has then the ability to choose whether they're going to get better or not. Mm-hmm. Because before then, it was all about the codependent, whether right. that person chose to get better. Right. Um, now, I'm sure I'm missing some things in there. And obviously, most addiction on some level has trauma roots to it. That trauma created a need to numb. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important for us to really be able to process. I'm sorry, we're having trouble with our sound. It keeps <laughs> stopping, so we're not sure how it's recording. We're going to have to listen to it later. <laughs> so, uh, unless it's, it might be uh, voice-activated, I don't know. <laughs> so, that, so, yes, codependency, that term came out of the world of addiction, but we see it in lots of different settings, and I think it's important for us to process what that looks like for parents for couples, yep. Kate gave an example in couples. What does that look like in parenting? Mm-hmm. What does that look like in friendships? What does that even look like in organizations I'm a part of? Mm-hmm. Uh, businesses, um, ministries, church, uh, volunteer organizations. What does codependency look like in each of those yeah. settings? Literally everywhere. <laughs> it is. It and, is. And there's. I feel like it's whether you've gone through it or like I just feel like it's common to have a season of codependency even depending on like your upbringing or because I think it doesn't just come out of nowhere I think to have a little more understanding you can ask yourself like did you have a depressed parent Mm -hmm. or like a mentally ill parent or parents that argued a lot that were you felt like you had to take care of a situation or I think a lot of helpers become codependents because you're trying to navigate everyone's emotions <laughs> yeah. in your life to be at peace. And so. And sometimes people just somehow learn that they get affirmation from taking care right. of people, they get affirmation from doing well at something. Mm-hmm. And so they start becoming kind of addicted to the high mm-hmm. of being needed. Right. So the need to be needed, the need to be valued can come out of just about any type of home. Right. Um, So let's kind of break it down and look at what that looks like in different situations, because this is what we need you to recognize for your own self. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I guess since you're a parent, (laughs) what could that look like, I guess, with a parent and a kid? If the parent's a codependent one, I guess. Yeah, so the codependent parent um, is carrying the situation more than the child. 
So um, there came a certain point where I, as a parent, had to stop waking my children up in the morning, mm. and they had to start waking themselves up. And if they didn't, they experienced the natural and logical consequences of not waking themselves up. Mm -hmm. But if they were still dependent on me waking them up, then by the, I, by the time they left my house, they wouldn't. They weren't going to be prepared. Mm -hmm. That's one example. Sure. Um, constantly nagging your children about assignments that need to be completed. Uh, if you're doing that, you're owning it more than they are owning it. Mm -hmm. um, if that kid wants to wait till the last second and stay up until three o'clock in the morning and be miserable, that's on them. That's their experience. That's their consequence to their choice. And that's how we learn. Right. We learn via the consequences. So when we when we step in as parents, and I believe there's a certain age where we, mm -hmm. we still need to continue to empower that child, and we still, for the rest of their lives, are hopefully an empowering agent mm -hmm. in their lives. But there comes a point where you have to allow your child to experience your own natural consequences, their own natural consequences. Otherwise, they're not going to be prepared to leave your home. Right. So also not protecting them from failing and... Mm. negative consequences <laughs> sure so and it creates a lot of powerlessness for most parents because <laughs> you're suddenly out of their loop mm. you suddenly are allowing them to get bad grades you're allowing them to get late to school to get tardies to get all of these things and it's part of what they need to learn now you can certainly say if you need help you need to ask me and you can provide them help but it's not doing it for them mm -hmm. that's what it would look like in parenting right. i think most people don't have codependency with their kids until well probably in lots of different ages like if the kid is capable of dressing themselves and don't right. dress them <laughs> um it can start very early and mm -hmm. it was it's just it sometimes it feels easier for parents to cut the meat for the child than to watch the child Strong. take 15 minutes to cut their meat right. <laughs> when we allow them to struggle they learn a skill when we take it over because it's just easier for us we don't actually empower them makes sense so let's talk more about what that would look like maybe in a dating relationship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's just a lot of people that come in here. <laughs> um, I, well, I think, uh, I think it comes in a lot of different forms. I think the simplest form you can think of is just being almost completely dependent on that person for mm -hmm. almost everything. Uh emotional needs, physical needs, social needs. And that that's a part of codependency too of not being able to fulfill your own needs except unless this other person's in your life. Exactly. And so, that happens a lot with dating relationships or your first dating. Hopefully you learn yeah. maybe it's very common for your first dating relationship to potentially be disastrous because of codependency absolutely and being really infatuated with that person being your world but and that's we have a dating podcast which may or may not be on itunes right now because we got kicked off for a variety of titles they didn't like but 
<laughs> when we find that, I will re-put it back on. <laughs> you might be able to listen to it on another provider like Stitcher or Spotify, Spotify but not necessarily on Apple. iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, I, we would say that would be a very normal. I'm a, I, I say this to almost every 19, 20-year-old sitting across from me. Okay, we've now had your first really horrible relationship. <laughs> now we can move on mm-hmm. because it's just part of the learning process to learn what works and what doesn't work in relationships. Right. Um, so, right, I, I, we, we talk about in our dating podcast what emotionally healthy dating looks like is saying no to people a lot, mm-hmm. doing things without them, having time with friends, not become dependent on one person fulfilling all of your needs. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about codependency in another area. Um, I mean, I guess friendships in general. Oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think friendships, it's very much like if you're the codependent one, I think it's easy to silence your voices in once. Honestly, I think of even the simplest idea of if your friends ask you where you want to go and you, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, or your friends say, oh, I want to get Chinese, but you really don't want Chinese, but you avoid the tension of being the one that says, I don't want Chinese, can we get something else? You just go along with it anyways and you, and you silence your own voice. I think that's a very simple thing you can ask yourself. Do I do that a lot? You might have codependency in some of your friendships. Right, because we want pe- we want people to be happy with us. Right. We don't want to feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So we tell them what they want to hear. We don't give our real opinion. We don't state what we need mm-hmm. because we don't want them to be uncomfortable. But we are. <laughs> right. So we hold the, the uncomfortableness of the relationship. Mm-hmm. Potentially avoid saying how you feel hurt in a friendship. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so you can work on that. You know, I always say to people, you're either a giver or you're a taker. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the truth of the matter. And you can only have so many takers in your life. <laughs> and you really shouldn't be surrounding yourself with friends who are takers mm-hmm. because you're always going to be codependent in that situation. You're yeah. always going to be picking up the consequences of their choices, right. of their uh, lack of ownership in the situation. Right. Um, so, and that would apply to even, you know, a marriage situation. If somebody doesn't follow through on something they said they were going to do, do you wind up picking up their responsibility? Obviously, you can't parent them. You can't, mm-hmm. you can't. But it's going to require you to be very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And that's what most people can't do. Right. That's hard. Okay, so you said you were going to get that information on the vacation and you didn't. We're now really far in. <laughs> <laughs> and you're starting to get scared. You're yeah. starting to get scared. Is this actually going to happen? Is it going to happen in a financially wise way Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of fear of the consequences you're going to experience in the relationship when you're married Mm -hmm. and to be able to be okay with those consequences is hard for a lot of people yeah um i think in codependency too it's like 
really learning that it's okay if your response is not what the other person wants to hear. Yes. <laughs> so you're not responsible for their emotions around your boundary or, you know, what your needs are or if they disagree or are upset. It's, uh, it's okay that they don't agree with you. It is okay that they don't <laughs> agree with you. And... But if you are raised in an environment in which maybe you were guilted or, or shamed for saying no, or maybe you weren't in an environment where people didn't disagree, it's much more difficult to face down that kind of disagreement or that kind of displeasure in the mm -hmm. other person. I have many people who grew up in environments that were religious in origins mm. and they don't know how to say no because they have been taught to turn the other cheek, to die to self. Mm -hmm. All these religious phrases that are excellent ideas and, perp and patterns we should follow in situations where we're not picking up the consequences of other people in an unhealthy way. Yeah. So I think that religious people tend to have a harder time with codependency. Yeah, because I think in churches and Christian schools or religious homes, you're taught to be extremely selfless. Yes. And so that's been turned into being so selfless that your opinion or what you want if it rocks the boat, is selfish in yes. nature. So, yes. <laughs> And people can in turn be guilted and shamed for that. And so when they do say no or they do say their opinion, they can feel a lot of guilt and shame that maybe the other person even isn't putting on them. Mm -hmm. But they, it feels the same, so they experience it as the same. And it's, it's, it's a difficult process. Yeah, I always say it's like... Once you know you're codependent, it, it is like small steps in understanding how to not become codependent. I always like tell clients within friend groups to try saying, hey, can we go here this time? And like just small little ways to experiment like, oh, my need didn't totally rock someone's world and I don't have to feel bad about it. It's true. Because if you've worked out of that pattern for a really long time, you're not don't expect yourself to just drop all these habits immediately. You have to kind of, I think, start small so your brain can adapt to like, oh, people aren't upset at me, or if they are, I'm still okay. <laughs> yeah, it's probably best if you practice with safe friends mm -hmm. first. Yeah. Or safe coworkers first. Don't practice with your family. Right. They're or the they're the last that take a lot out of you. <laughs> they're the last people you can generally practice with because it's the patterns of how you interact with your family is very ingrained. So mm -hmm. it's easier to practice on safe friends than it is to practice on family members because you're just this is who you are. This is how you act. This is what you do. It's so ingrained that sometimes when you try to buck the flow, mm -hmm. it doesn't work. Yeah. Now, you can eventually it do it once you feel more confident. Right. I think that confidence piece is key, but I 
think it's rare you feel confident immediately when you're like dabbling and trying to heal from codependency. But I think also like if you start working on yourself, you'll find that it's actually really freeing to not care so much. Absolutely. And it's not your responsibility to completely hold the other party's emotions or reactions or right consequences. Like that's, you look back and you're like, whoa, that was a lot. <laughs> Absolutely. And that can happen. That can happen. And that can be very freeing in the workplace too. <laughs> when you are constantly picking up mm. the consequences of another person and they're not owning it. And you feel like you have to because you're working on a project together. Mm-hmm. It kind of can, can it, once you really own that with your supervisor or uh, whoever you're giving this project to, that person can be held accountable where they couldn't have been held accountable for their lack of engagement before. That's a hard one. Right. And I think that's why you practice it with safe people first, where if, that person can keep you accountable. You're not going to leave feeling completely run over. <laughs> Absolutely. You're going to leave feeling encouraged. Like, oh, that was that person appreciates me still. It's a, just a different feeling than maybe how you've experienced it before growing up. It does exist that it someone does. can be healthy and <laughs> point you in a right direction or disagree with you. And it doesn't have to end your world or their world. <laughs> Absolutely. So be codependent no more, people. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So once again, that comes back to the idea that therapy is really helpful in understanding yourself. I have so many people who, once we do a good family history and we establish the patterns that went down in their entire childhood where they learned all of how they perceived the world, it really changes how they perceive their interactions with people. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's, again, we want to point to the fact that doing therapy is so important in recognizing your codependent patterns because you have a third party involved in this situation saying, hey, I notice every time this happens, you do this. Mm -hmm. Um, And you won't have that in a pattern that's already been established for many, many years. So again, we just keep putting you back to therapy is so important in changing your patterns. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it creates a safe place to have permission to not be codependent Mm -hmm. and And take that outside of the office. Right. And while I do believe in the power of prayer and faith, Mm -hmm. I think sometimes people think that they can pray themselves into a different behavior. Mm. But here's the here's the reality of that. You really need to be taught what that other behavior looks like mm-hmm. before and and practice that other behavior in a safe place before you can actually learn that behavior. So, we can watch a video We can listen to a podcast, which you're doing right now, but therapy is going to help you really on an in-depth level recognize your pattern and enable you to do different. Yeah. I guess we're done for today. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we'll, We'll catch you next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to Emotional and Spiritual Wellbeing with Sharon Wegman. For more resources or to have Sharon speak at your meeting or event, please visit wellspringssolutions.com.